We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Hello, everyone. We're all doing well. Today, on this Thursday, uh, let's go ahead and pray in. Lord God, I thank you once again for the day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask that you just help us to grow in our understanding of your word. Help us to build that solid foundation that we may go and pass this word on to others and with understanding, total understanding of your word, God. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. Okay. So, um, this is kind of a, a short lesson. This time around, we're going to be looking at uh, the judges' era. And the judges' era actually takes place from the book of Judges to the book of Ruth. We've got two books that we're looking at. But um, <clears throat> the thing that uh, Anders starts off with is he talks about uh, this woman who was basically living in squalor. Um, she came across as someone who, you know, people thought she had just, you know, she was mentally ill and, um, you know, figured she was homeless or something. And uh, she went around hoarding trash so much so to the point that they called her Garbage Mary. Okay, that was her nickname. And um, she had so much trash in her house. She had trash in her car, uh, her apartment. Everything except for the, the kitchen area had garbage. It had trash everywhere. Um, and it turned out in the end that she was actually the heiress to a fortune, a large fortune. She was a millionaire. Um, and yet... She hadn't claimed uh, any of the money that her father had left behind. So she was living in filth, you know, living like a homeless person, but she didn't have to, right? And so kind of gives us this picture of, you know, this woman to illustrate what is going on with the children of Israel in this particular era because they had everything, right? God had led them to the promised land. Uh, they su successfully completed this conquest. Um, and yet toward the end, uh, everyone began to do what they felt like was right uh, in their own eyes, right? That's the quote from the Bible. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So what they felt like it was right to them, that's what they were doing. They weren't following God's law anymore. Okay? Um, and as Anders described, though, the result was a morally degraded, 
socially perverted and spiritually bankrupt time of almost 400 years. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, craziness, right? So they had just wandered in the desert for 40 years because of their rebellious rebelliousness. Uh, we get a new generation of people, and they, they do good for a little while. And now it's back to the same old, same old. So before we get all into that, we're going to review real quick. So uh, the first era that we had covered, remember, was the creation era. Our key figure in that era is Adam. It takes place in the Garden of Eden. And our summary is that Adam is created by God, but he sins and derails from God's uh, original plan for man. Okay. The next era that we had talked about was the patriarch era, and our key figure in that era is Abraham. And it takes place, remember the city of three names, so Canaan at this time, and our summary is that Abraham is chosen by God to father a people to represent God to the world. And the next era we had talked about was Exodus, okay, the Exodus era. And our key figure was Moses. And <clears throat> it takes place in Egypt. Our summary is that through Moses, God delivers the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt and then gives them the law, right? So, uh, again, we think about the Ten Commandments, but it was more than just the Ten Commandments, right? Um, he gives them basically, okay, these are the things that I need you guys to do. Uh, this is how you're going to govern yourselves. These are how we're going to handle things, right? How to govern their lives. <clears throat> And then uh, the era we had just talked about was the conquest era. He figured was Joshua. And I can't remember if I had said Jericho last week. It did not take place in Jericho. It takes place in Canaan. So it's taking place in Canaan. And our summary for this era is that Joshua leads the conquest of the promised land. Now, we are looking at the judges' era. Our key figure here is Samson, and it is located, oh, sorry, it's located in Canaan, and our summary here is that Samson and others were chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. Okay, I'll say that again. Summary is Samson and others were chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. All right. Now, uh, as always, we have uh, four main um, <clears throat> four main uh, events, if you will, that we're going to be looking at. So this is no different. 
Okay. Our for, our first uh, main event of this era is the judges. Okay. So the leaders of Israel. Remember, during this time, they are not, they don't have an established monarchy yet. So their leaders are the judges. Um, unlike the judges that we know today, right, that sit behind the bench, these particular judges were political military leaders. And uh, they had the right to exercise nearly absolute power due to their office and their abilities. And our four main judges of this era are Deborah. Okay, she's our female judge um, early in the era, early in judges' era. Uh, so Deborah. Then we have Gideon. Gideon is the next judge. He defeats an army of thousands with only 300 men. We have Samson, who's known for his strength, right? Then we have Samuel, um, and he kind of comes in during a, a transitional time. Uh, is held in very high, high regard in Scripture, and he is also both the last judge of this era and the first prophet. Okay, so our main people or our main judges: Deborah, Gideon, Samson, and then Samuel who is also our first prophet. Now, the next event, okay, is kind of what we mentioned earlier, but uh, rebellion. So this is the breaking of God's law. And the book of Judges, uh, during this time, this is like the darkest period in Israel's history. Um, <clears throat> following, as Anders notes, one of the brightest eras which was the conquest era, right? Because they just, like I said, they went through all this stuff in the desert. Now we got a new generation. They seem like they were on the right path, and everybody is on the straight and narrow now, and uh, they were going in faith, right? They weren't sitting there like, well, how are we going to cross the water? They just did it, right? Well, I don't know. He's talking about walking around the city, and, you know, seven times or whatever. How is that even going to work? They just did it, right? But now, you know, things are taking a turn. So just before Moses dies, he gives them instructions, okay? And there are three things specifically, uh, and this is listed in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 5. There are three things uh, specifically. Like there were a lot of things, right? that God, you know, is requiring them to do, but three things specifically that they were supposed to do as they were occupying this land. And that was, uh, one, destroy all the inhabitants of Canaan, two, avoid intermarriage with the Canaanites, and three, shun worship of Canaanite gods. Okay? Um, unfortunately, they fell on all three of those, and uh, because they allowed, you know, well, because they didn't do any of these things, they are led astray, and so that's when we go into this next uh, event, which is the cycles 
um, where they, it's like a repetition of sorts. So there are seven cycles, and for each cycle, there's a pattern, a specific pattern that Israel falls into in the book of Judges. Okay, so uh, the first thing that happens during during the cycle is that Israel sins, then God disciplines them. That's the second thing. He disciplines them by allowing them to be conquered by a neighboring country. Then Israel repents. They cry out to God. Then God brings up a judge who delivers them from bondage. And then the final thing is that God frees them from the oppression for the remainder of that judge's life. Okay? And like we said, there are seven of these cycles. So that's just one cycle. And this happens seven times. So there's seven cycles or seven times where Israel sins. They get disciplined. Then they repent. Then God brings up a judge. And now they're, you know, living in freedom under that judge. And then it happens again. Right? Because after the judge dies is when they go right back uh, to business as usual. Okay? Um, <clears throat> our final event is Ruth. Okay, it's about Ruth. And uh, in this particular era, uh, Ruth <clears throat> is described um, as the model woman, a model woman, um, an example of moral and spiritual strength. Okay. Um, a living illustration of the blessings that God showers on those who live in faithful obedience to him. The thing that, um, at least that I note about Ruth, is that she could have just went back home. Like, for those who don't know the story of Ruth, first of all, Ruth has her own book in the Bible, right? Because remember, this era takes place from Judges to Ruth. Um so you read the story of Ruth, and she goes back with her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi, and uh, she had no reason to really stay with her, right? Because it was Ruth and, I believe, a <clears throat> another woman, or actually it might have been two other women. I'll have to go back and read it. Um, she could have left because her, you know, her husband has passed away, and Naomi's like, you know what, you don't have to you don't have to come back with me, like you can just go your way. Instead, Ruth chooses to serve God. You know, which was another thing. Ruth is not a Hebrew. Okay, so this isn't even really her her God, right? But she has decided to give her to vote devote her life to the Lord and to stay, you know, with her mother in law. Um, so goes back to her with her mother-in-law to their uh, her mother-in-law's homeland, um, you know, and then we have the story about Ruth and Boaz, right? But you know, just in that, it's it's 
kind of like a, a marvel, right? Because, again, you have this woman who had no reason to stay. Uh, she could have went on with her life. Um, instead, you know, she decides to just, I'm going to go wherever wherever you go, and your people's going to be my people, and your God's going to be my God. And that's the end of it, right? So it's just, it's amazing. Um, and she was known for being, you know, a a godly woman. Um, again, you read through the book of Ruth, that was the thing, you know, she, Boaz inquires about her, and that was the thing. People didn't really have anything negative to say about her. That in itself is something. Um, you know, to be the kind of woman that people revere you, right? Uh, it says a lot. Like, what are what are people saying about you? Yeah, we know in today's time. I mean, even in that time, right? There probably was like that one person. You know, you're always gonna have that one person who has something negative to say. But your life should so be that even if they try, you know, even when they're trying to like, yeah, we're gonna find some on them. Like, nah, you can't, you can't, they can't even do it. Like, you know, they sit there and try to talk bad about you, but then they look kind of foolish because, like, what are you talking about? That's, you know, that's an honorable person right there. Like, I know them, and they are a person of great standing, great character. So the fact that her name, you know, had weight in the community, like, that in itself was just, I don't know, it was amazing. Because, again, this is a, not a Hebrew woman. so. You know, and this is technically, you know, she didn't, she was a, Mo, a Moabite, so they didn't really fear God like that, but, you know, he gave her life to the Lord, and she meant that, so that was really something. Okay, so let's review really, really quick. So again, uh, our four main events in this era, we have the Judges. Right, that's the first event with our four main judges, Deborah, Gideon, Samson, and Samuel, who was also the first prophet uh, who appears in this era. Then we have rebellion, okay? Then the cycles, right, with the five patterns. And then we have Ruth, okay? So, Judges, right? Then, uh, oh man, sorry. Rebellion, Cycles, and Ruth. Okay. All right. And again, our our summary of this era is that Samson and others were chosen as judges, <clears throat> chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. Um, ironically, and it just came to me, I think about the song. There's a song, uh, oh man, I can't think of his name now, um, called Cycles. You know, talking about how, you know, God saves me from the sin, he delivers me, and then here I go again. And, you know, the enemy has me going in cycles. 
it's just like you're going in a in a circle just over and over and over again um wondering like okay when am i gonna get it right this time um i think thing to note mainly is that uh first of all this is just a reminder of how um how powerful our flesh can be without christ uh two how desperately we need christ <laughs> you know we had we should really be really thankful for his grace and mercy because without him we're lost um and yes like you know we go through those cycles right but there's a difference between when you fall down and you get back up and deliberately just like, eh, you know what, I'm just going to do me for a while, you know. <laughs> I think we kind of talked about that um, previously, how we get into that mindset like, um, or no, I might have talked about that in, in one of the scriptures that I said, I'm sorry. Um, with Pharaoh, how, you know, everything's good uh, until a problem shows up, right? But when everything was good, we didn't really, we weren't thinking about God. We didn't need God. You know, I'm doing me. I got it. But when everything is a mess and we are, you know, having to pay for the consequences of the things that we've done, now, all of a sudden, you know, we're crying out to God, like, oh, God, please help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And then he fixes the problem. And as soon as the problem is fixed, like, okay, whatever. Oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't want to fall into that pattern. I don't want to fall into that, into that category, that rebelliousness, right? Um, I know that at some point I am going to sin because of my flesh. But I can't let that be an excuse to sin. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like I, I want to really, truly be that Ruth or that Samuel, right, that person who truly is living for him. Because you have to remember, these, these people weren't perfect, okay? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know we we read about them in the Bible, and again, we forget that this is real, um, but we read about them in the Bible, and it's like, man, you know, they were just perfect and holy. No, they were human, just like the rest of us, but they knew who to go to, right? They knew, oh, you know what, Lord, I messed up. I acknowledge that I messed up. Uh, help me in this, you know, in this situation, and they got back on the straight and narrow, you know, there's a big difference between that and, like I said, when you just willingly choose to live however you want to, but you don't want to deal with the consequences of your choices, right? And that's kind of part of the reason why they kept falling into that cycle or that pattern. So let's make sure that we are living a life that truly is glorifying God. And again, it's not about being perfect. It's about knowing who to come to when you fall down. First of all, acknowledging that, okay, Lord, I need you at all times. Two, 
Lord, I messed up. <laughs> you know, and I'm acknowledging that I messed up. Okay, and then you get up and you allow him to restore you, allow him to clean you up, and you turn away from those things. Right? You turn away from those things or you work on it or you just allow him to really deliver you out of whatever situation it is. Okay? But what you can't do is, well, I'm going to, you know, do my thing and then kind of do a little bit of Jesus on the side, you know, for the church folk, but, you know, during, but in my free time, no, either you is or you ain't, right? Either you are for Christ or you're not, okay? And that is all I got for y'all today. Like I said, it's a pretty short uh, lesson, but a good lesson, I think. Like I said, it's just a reflection of how we can be as people, Um but also just that need of, you know, like, hey, you can't keep living how you think, right? Well, I feel like I'm a good person. I feel like this is right. I think that it's not about what you think or how you feel. It's about what God said in his word. And we got to adhere to that. Okay. All right, y'all. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Again, uh, you know, just, I don't know, man. Just keep my voice in prayer. <laughs> I feel like this happens every week now, but um, just keep me in prayer, all right? Uh, Lord God, I thank you once again for another day. I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I ask, God, that you continue to just keep us covered during this chaotic time. Uh, continue to help our minds stay focused on you, stay focused on what is important, um, to be a light in this time of darkness, God. Um, I pray that you continue just to remain with those families who are grieving, uh, be with those people who really are in a situation where they're not sure what the end is going to be. Um, I pray that this does become a season where those who maybe don't know you will draw closer to you. Um, And once again, God, just help us to be a light. Help us to be those people who represent you to the world, um, who are living examples of you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right, y'all. So next time we'll be talking about uh, the kingdom era. Right, King David, whoop, whoop. and um, yeah, y'all have a amazing weekend, and take care, and God bless. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.